When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When Taryn Luna thinks about the time she spent in the Napa Valley last month, she can still hear the wind. It's very loud winds are whipping through the town, right? There's moments where it dies down and then it comes back. Last week, if you watched videos of the California wildfires spreading, you could hear these gusts. Up to 96 miles an hour. Holy crap, it's moving fast. Um, And that whole time, you're just thinking, you know, what is this doing to the fire? Where is this pushing the fire? Are people being evacuated? Do people understand that they have to leave? Are they taking evacuation orders seriously? Taryn reports for the LA Times, went to Sonoma to cover the Kincaid fire. She watched as 50,000 residents were told to evacuate their homes. Many of the people who weren't being evacuated were having their power shut off to avoid sparking more fires. You were in Sonoma with the governor, and I'm wondering what his interactions were like with people on the ground trying to figure out what they do. When I was with him, the day I was with him, he went to um, a mobile home park that had been warned Four hours prior to an outage that they were going to lose power. Through the state, you're supposed to be getting 24 to 48 hours notice at least. So these people were warned, you know, four hours before, you know, these are elderly people. So one of the guys he spoke with was 93 years old. When you think about Sonoma County, maybe you picture a vineyard, wine country. But in Las Casitas Mobile Home Park, many residents are on fixed incomes. And when the power goes out, they can't afford to empty out their fridges. One 87-year-old woman told Taryn she relies on the power company to keep her breathing machine going at night. Just the level of interest from people like that, like the 87-year-old woman um, was telling me about how the state needed to invest in more microgrids, right? Uh, A lot of reporters don't fully understand microgrids, but we have an 87-year-old woman here talking to me about microgrids and why the state needs to do it. So it's just really fascinating to me to see the level of kind of understanding and interest from from everyday people across the state. Because they know what's at stake. And most importantly, they know how it's affecting their lives. Power is one of the most basic things we expect, right? I mean, if your garbage isn't picked up, it's a political problem. If you don't have power, that's a political problem. And people really feel it. Um, It's not just something that happens to someone else. When you lose power for three or four days, I mean, that's controlling your entire life. Today on the show, we're going to talk about all the ways these fires are controlling Californians' lives. Watching the crises pile up, the fires themselves, the utility company's response, it's making people in California angry. The question is, What can be done with all that anger? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. 
This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Taryn spends a lot of her time reporting on California's governor, Gavin Newsom. She's followed him as he's gone out to talk to residents about the season's fires. And she's watched as his approach changes, especially as more and more of his constituents experience rolling power outages. We've seen him shift a little bit with public sentiment. So we had an outage in early October, and it was the first major outage of the year where we had, I think, nearly 200,000 people affected. At the time, it was the largest ever. And prior to that, in the two days leading up to that, he was trying to assure Californians that this was part of the new normal, that we had to shut off power to prevent wildfires. It wasn't ideal. The utilities hadn't handled the managing their systems appropriately, which partially led us to this moment. But it was something we just had to endure. I don't think they're making a mistake as it relates to proactive measures to mitigate the prospect of uh, fires. I think that's the right decision. Then the shutoffs happened, and people were upset that they didn't get enough notification. They were upset that their power was out. So I think it went from something that people expected, but then in the moment when it's reality, and you can't rely on power, which you have for so long, it kind of changes how you feel about the situation. And people were very upset at PG&E. Then the governor had a press conference where he just blasted PG&E, saying it was corporate greed that led us here. It was entirely their fault. It was unacceptable, and this couldn't be the new normal. We should not have to be here. Years and years of greed, years and years of mismanagement, particularly with the largest investor-owned utility in the state of California, PG&E. They simply did not do their job. It took us decades. So you saw him really come out and take a different stance against PG&E as people were growing more and more frustrated. PG&E, Pacific Gas and Electric. It's the state's largest utility company. And there's no doubt this company behaved badly. Earlier this year, Taryn made a map showing all the fires that PG&E had sparked over a three-year period. She plotted out more than 1,500 of them. Now, some are just spot fires and they're put out, but some of the deadliest fires we've seen in California have been linked to utility equipment. We had the campfire last year where, you know, more, nearly 90 people died, and that was tied to a transmission line. What's a transmission line failure for people who don't know? So transmission lines are the larger lines that carry typically carry power from a plant to a substation, and then distribution lines carry that power into people's homes and neighborhoods, right? So it's a big line. It's a big line, and shutting off big lines means a lot more people lose power. So in the after the campfire, PG&E said that their policy at the time was to cut off distribution lines, the smaller lines that take power directly to the customers, and not transmission lines. So their argument was, even if we had shut off power, we would have left the transmission line on. 
and we still could have been in the same scenario. Right. Now, this causes a number of problems and concern among experts in the state because transmission lines for a long time were considered safer. They're larger. They have to be inspected more. And we didn't expect to have as many problems with transmission lines. With this latest fire, the Kincaid fire up in Sonoma County, PG&E reported an issue with the transmission line near the time and location where the wildfire started. Now, that's not to say definitively that the wildfire was started by their equipment, right? But it's not looking good. It's not looking good. And so I was talking to a professor the other day who was just simply pointing out that if we can't even trust transmission lines in the state of California, then in these heavy wind conditions, transmission lines also have to be shut down. And if we're shutting down transmission lines, then that means thousands of more people are losing power in their homes. So at solving one problem of potentially causing a wildfire, you then have another problem of a lot more people losing power. PG&E says making these power lines safer could take them a decade. A lot of these lines are in rural communities, surrounded by tinder. You'd have to hike in to cut some of this stuff down, then airlift it out. And that costs money. Money the utility company would eventually have to charge customers. But raising customers' electricity rates? PG&E has to ask permission to do that from California's Public Utilities Commission, the CPUC. Because the way California's law is set up is that if the utility is investing money in their infrastructure, they can then go and recoup that money from ratepayers. So anytime that happens and they want to invest in the infrastructure, the CPUC has hearings. They call it like a rate recovery case. And you have ratepayer advocates coming and speaking and saying, hey, California customers cannot afford to keep increasing rates. And it's a fair argument. There's plenty of people who are just on the cusp of affordability. You have people who are retired, fixed incomes. They can't keep, they can't continue to afford this, right? So there's natural resistance in some ways in the state to allow uh, the utilities to do a lot of work on their infrastructure because, again, that comes out of ratepayer pockets. So is there evidence that PG&E was avoiding line maintenance to sort of not have to go to the public and ask for more money? I don't know that if that is the case. I can't speak to that. But there's definitely been evidence that PG&E said they were going to be doing work that they weren't. Or PG&E said they were doing certain vegetation clearing or, or work on their infrastructure that hadn't actually happened. So there's been, you know, over time, a history of PG&E not being trustworthy in California. No one seems to trust anyone here. Because no one wants to foot the bill for these wildfires. And the bill is huge. After last year's campfire, victims and insurance companies claimed PG&E owed them tens of billions of dollars. Now, the company is going through bankruptcy, trying to limit its liability. So I, I covered the governor and I covered the wildfire policy in the state. And the idea of how we pay for wildfires is fought, you know, ferociously across the street at the Capitol every year. Typically, you have, you know, insurers on one side, you have utilities on the other, you have wildfire victims in one corner, you know, you have cities and counties with some other interests. At certain points, you know, they all kind of work together or against each other, depending on what the issue is. But there's a lot of people, a lot of different groups with a financial stake here. But it's striking, too, that no one is standing up in the middle of all this and saying, Stop. Everyone's just looking for another place to get the money and pushing it forward. Right. I mean, I think there's, I guess, what we heard out of our last governor, Jerry Brown, was that 
climate change was the boogeyman, right? So this was all happening because the wets were getting wetter, the dries were getting drier, you know, the hots were getting hotter. I think we've seen our new governor come in and reiterate a lot of that, but also make PG&E the boogeyman, so to speak, right? It, it's PG&E's fault. At the same time, you know, the State Utilities Commission has provided oversight of PG&E and knows what they were and were not doing to harden their infrastructure. We're approving a lot of this. So I think there's blame to be shared across the board. And, and I think part of the reason why you don't have somebody standing up and saying, you know, stop all of this is there's not a clear solution. In California right now, everyone can see the problem. Every year the winds come. Every year, the utility companies help spark these fires. But when Taryn is walking around a mobile home park with the governor, it's easy for her to see that the lack of a solution seems to be hitting the most vulnerable Californians the hardest, the people who have to live in the wildfire's path. It's, it's a really difficult conversation because it's getting more expensive to live in California's cities, right? We've seen that over time. The cost of the living has increased and increased and increased. So for a lot of people, the only place they can afford to live is in rural areas. And so if we're cutting off some of that as an option, then what are we doing? Are we making California less affordable? And to argue, you know, it's one of the most unaffordable states in the country already, That conversation needs to be happening, and I'm sure it's happening in silos. It probably needs to happen at a more statewide level with some more statewide leadership on the topic. And that brings us back to Governor Newsom. What more can he be doing at this point? You said he's putting a lot of pressure on the California Public Utilities Commission, and that sounds good. But are there other things he could be doing here to regulate the industry and maybe protect the state from more fire? Going forward, sure. And this wildfire season, no. The legislature's out, so there can't be sitting around making laws at this point. A lot of the laws that were passed this year don't take effect until the start of the year. He can put pressure on the CPUC to put pressure on the utilities. But at the end of the day, you know, when it comes to power shutoffs, utilities are the ones making the call, right? And our wildfire prevention work, while we've done some over time, we haven't done enough by a lot of measures. There's more I'm sure the legislature could do in terms of wildfire prevention and really putting more resources into going out and, and clearing vegetation and such, or, you know, home hardening. We haven't done a lot of investment in home hardening, but there's a lot of issues we could do. None of that's going to solve be solved this wildfire season. Taryn Luna, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Taryn Luna is a reporter for the LA Times. All right, that's the show. What Next is produced by Daniel Hewitt, Mara Silvers, Mary Wilson, and Jason DeLeon. Before we leave you, I want to let you know that our Slate colleague, April Glazer, she lives in California, and she has been covering these fires. If you want to know more about what is happening on the ground out west, go check out her reporting on Slate.com especially one of her most recent articles. It's called The Hopelessness of Wildfire Season. I'm Mary Harris. I will talk to you tomorrow. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. 
Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.